Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I, um, I was reading that scripture again this weekend and there was a, a line that kind of stood out for me. Uh, and Kimmy, if you can just go back to the first slide of the, of the scripture in verse 40. And um, it says there, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. In other translations, it says crooked generations. But you know what's interesting about that line is that Peter says, save yourselves. He doesn't say, sit back and let, let God save you from this corrupt generation. He's actually putting something on you. He's saying you need to save yourself. Now, I'm not saying that you do God's salvation work because that's all up to him. He does that. We need to say yes to him and he does the rest. But what's interesting about that sentence is it's sandwiched between two actions. And the first action is Peter saying, you need to repent. Because the people had asked him, he had told them about this Jesus who had been crucified and it had hit them really hard. And they said, what must we do? And he said, you need to repent. And then you need to be baptized. And then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. And then he says, you need to save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And amazingly, it was corrupt then, it's corrupt now. Since the fall of man, it's been corrupt. And the next action point is, on the next slide, is you need to devote yourself. So it is an action point. There is something that you need to do. He will do the saving. He will pour out His grace. His, his blood will cleanse you. His blood will wash you clean. But you need to make a decision. And in that way, we save ourselves from corrupt and crooked generations. So as a way of starting this morning, I need to ask you a question. Who are you becoming? Because we're all becoming something or someone. Whether you think so or not. Whether you're young or old, who are you becoming? So the reality is, as human beings, we have a natural propensity. Hmm, quite a nice word that, eh? Hmm. I didn't use that uh, the first service. So I like it. Propensity. We have a natural inclination to focus on now. Because this is now. This is what's happening now. This is my situation now. This is what I'm going through now. My focus is on this. My eyes are on this whatever that situation or that challenge or even that joy is at that particular time. We also have the inclination to focus on our past. And we'll often blame our past for where we are right now. The decisions I made, the things that I did, the people I hung out with, it was my parents, it's their fault that I'm here right now. And then we focus on that and we focus on this. And Jesus is saying, no. I have something bigger and better and more joyous than you could ever imagine. You need to focus on the future that I have in store for you. Jesus was a master at this. Because he calls his disciples and he says to them, he says, follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. He will form you. He will transform you into this new creation, into this new future. The things you are doing today... The decisions you are making today will have an impact on your future, whether you like it or not. I don't always like that, I'll be honest with you, because I know I'm not always planting the seed I'm supposed to be planting. The seed you plant today, you will reap tomorrow. It's not me who said so. In fact, in the Bible, in Galatians chapter 6, it says this. It says, God will not be mocked. You reap what you sow. It's a really hard-hitting 
this. But you know what? As hard-hitting as it is, it's also incredibly exciting. Because I know when I begin to plant, when I begin to sow the things of God that He has intended me to sow now, I get a great reward in the future. I get to sow, I get to reap the future that He has in store for me. That's incredible. It's not all doom and gloom. Jesus says, I will make you. I will form you. I will fashion you to become like me. And He is committed to making you more like Him than you would ever believe. But you know what? It demands a response. When he called the disciples, they had to let something go. They had to leave the past. They had to leave that situation. They had to leave their nets. And they had to follow him. In order for us to move and to walk into that future that he has in store for us, we have to respond. And this morning, I want to chat to you about three things, three ingredients for response, three ingredients for growth in Christ and in his community that I think are non-negotiable. For growth. If you don't want to grow in Christ and His community, then it's okay. But if you want to grow in Him and in His community, I think that these three things, these three ingredients, are a must. The first point this morning is devoted to be known. Devoted to be known. I'm going to tell you a few stories, if that's okay, of my experience and and my past 10 years in the life of the church, and I, and, I, and I hope that you hear my heart this morning. Because what I want to share with you this morning is what I've learned. What I'm sharing with you this morning is not that I've arrived. Not at all. But I have learned a couple of things over the last 10 years of being part of this very incredible community. Before coming to know the Lord... I had become a very hard and calloused man. I had lost all my friends. I had become addicted to all things to do with lust. And I'd let that stuff control me. I'd let that stuff take over my life. And the reality is I pushed all my friends away. Because when you've got stuff to hide, when you've got lies that need covering up, it's easier not to have friends. Because friends tend to get to know you. They get to know what you're about and what your life is about. I, um, Lou and I had been married for a couple of years and our marriage was on the rocks. Uh, we had adopted, uh, I'd adopted her son, Riley, and um, it was not going well. In fact, I got to such a desperate point that I said to her that either he needs to go or I'm going, which is a very, very tough place for a mom to be. Thankfully, at that time, Lou had been saved for a couple of years, and she had met a couple in the life of this church, and we'd become friends. I'd allowed a little bit of a friendship to form, and I happened to share with him that I was quite desperate, that I'd reached the end. And uh, he made a suggestion. He said, listen, uh, come speak to Wally. Wally was leader of Life Change Church at the time. He said, just give it a try. Give this thing a try. So I gave in, and I came to church that Sunday, and I sat somewhere at the back, and I stood like this during worship, 
and I let all the fruitcakes be done. Then I sat down, and I let the service be done, and then we went and had a meeting and had a, and had a little chat. And that was cool. And I thought, well, that's that. I went home, and I don't know what happened from there on. Because God started to wreck me. Yeah? I went to work the next day. I could not stop weeping. My heart started to break that entire week. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't watch the TV. I couldn't listen to the radio. God just started to do stuff in my head and in my heart. By the next Saturday, I messaged my friend. I was at a kid's party at McDonald's. And I messaged him and I just said to him, I give up. I give up. I can't anymore. I don't really know what this thing's about. But I said to him, I think I need Jesus. And he just responded and said, I know you do. And I went to his house that afternoon and I said yes to Jesus. It was an incredible time. Came to church that next day for the first time and it was incredible. And I saw all these amazing people and this was just amazing and the worship was amazing and it was just, I'd done this complete 180. But I made a decision that day. That day I decided to let go. I decided to allow God to do open heart surgery on me, as hard as it was going to be, I was going to let it all out. I began to share with my friend, I began to share with Wally, I began to share with my wife about my challenges. And I'm not going to lie, it was hard. It's really hard to tell your wife that you've had such challenges for 20 years of your life. I didn't know what that, how that was going to pan out. I didn't know if she was going to walk out on me or not. But by the grace of God, we found healing in those moments. It is risky, guys. It's risky to be vulnerable. It's risky to allow all the stuff to come out and the truth to be told and the masks to fall. It's risky. I'm going to read this quote for you by Tim Keller. This goes like this. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficult, difficulty life can throw at us. When I, before I arrived here, I didn't want anyone to know me. I didn't want anyone to see this heart because I knew if they did, they would not love me, let alone like me. I was callous. I was an extremely sarcastic man. I judged everybody. But God, but God, to bring you into a community and allow you to take your heart out and begin to deal with you. See, the reality is we all need connection whether you think so or not. Maybe you're one of those people who just love being around people, and like my wife, and it's just people that love it. Or maybe you're a little bit like me, and you maybe struggle a bit with large crowds of people. But even this is easier to stand here and talk to you because it's a one-way conversation. It's much more difficult for me to get down there and start talking because then it becomes two-way and then we get to know each other. But there's something in me that needs to be connected. I need it. And so do you. The challenges that guilt and shame get in the way. Guilt and shame are the enemy of connection. Yeah. A sense of worthiness is connected 
to a sense of love and belonging. People have a strong sense of love and belonging. Those people that have that, they believe they are worthy of love and belonging. See, it's an identity issue. It's an identity issue. Many of us Christians have got to the point and said, Lord, will you forgive me for what I've done because I'm riddled with guilt? And guilt is there because I've done something. There's a past, there's a history. I did a whole lot of stuff, now, now, now I've got guilt. Shame, on the other hand, though, is a completely different thing. Shame is believing that the things that you have done, that's who you are. It becomes you. You are that thing. Those things that I did, that's me and I'll never change. Shame crowds your identity. And what it forces you to do in context like this is it forces you to build those walls, it forces you to put up those masks, you will not get to know me because my shame is too great. But once we know that Jesus and his community meets our unmasking not with shock and anger or disappointment, but always with joy, healing, and love, we will pick up the courage to be vulnerable and allow God to deal with our shame. I want to encourage you this morning to allow God to deal with your shame. Allow Him to unmask you. It demands risk-taking. It demands a step of faith. And you know what? Maybe in the past you've tried and maybe you got hurt. I'm sorry. But I believe God's asking you to take a step of faith again because on the other side of that is a glorious future. I want to encourage you today, your action step today is to sign up for a life group. Because in this context, it's very, very difficult to allow people to get to know you. So after getting saved, my wife and I made a decision with our kids. Well, we made it on their behalf. They were babies. Um, they didn't have any choice. We decided to throw ourselves at this thing called His Community. And we got stuck into life group. And it changed me. In those contexts, I allowed myself to be vulnerable. It was much easier. And it taught me stuff. And it allowed people in. And they allowed me into their lives. And we grew. I want to encourage you today, invest your time and energy into building those types of relationships. You will not be sorry. Join a life group today. What you sow today, you will grow tomorrow. Number two, our, our second ingredient for growing in Christ and in community is devoted to be sown. I um, told a story earlier, I must tell it, because it, it is a funny story. Um, before coming to know God, I, um, I used to come drop my wife off at church. She didn't actually drive at the time. She was a late bloomer in the driving department. And so I used to bring her to church with the kids. Um, I used to drop her off. And then I had a ritual. I would go wash my car. I, I had a black Ford Focus, which I... 
loved. And uh, I would then go get a coffee and a newspaper and go sit down and just be with myself while they washed my car and while my wife and kids were at church. And then I'd collect them a little while later. And I always joke that uh, before coming to know the Lord, I had a dirty heart and a clean car. And now I have a clean heart and a really dirty car. And it's great. <laughs> I used to come and used to get into the parking lot. And uh, there was a, a gentleman on eldership, uh, Graham. And Graham spotted me uh, once, dropping the wife and kids off. And uh, came and introduced himself. And I was like, oh, crazy Christian. And uh, so... And then when I would drop my wife off, I'd then make sure I'd come in and then I'd make sure the car was now facing out again before they, before I started unloading them. Because I didn't check in my rearview mirror if Graham was coming. And he would come. So I'd start shouting at my wife, get out the car, get out the car, take the kids. And I'm not rev- I'm revving the car, probably I'm revving. And Graham's starting to walk quite quickly. <clears throat> Graham was a great guy. And I had to get away. I, just, I had to get away. I <laughs> Christians are crazy, man. Um, but the cool thing is, I, I later found out uh, that Warwick, my mate, um, had gone to, he'd, he'd actually seen Graham trying to charge me down. And he actually went in and said, listen, don't stress. Uh, we got this guy. We got him. So Graham started to stop chasing me. Um, <laughs> so we get saved and we just we throw ourselves into everything. And I want to encourage you this morning. I'm not saying that each one of you have to get stuck into everything. I'm just saying you've got to get stuck into something. You need to get stuck into something. Because you were created to be sown. Lou and I took our kids on the journey with us. Can I encourage you, if you have little ones, bring them on the journey. It'll change their lives. We read in that scripture there where Peter says, Your children... Salvation for you and your children. My children need to see this. They need to see. They need to be a part of this. They need to be stretched. Remember, we had just, just gotten saved. It was about four weeks into salvation. It was, it was winter. And you know, it's like it's been raining recently. But one night, it was life group night. And it started, it was pelting it down. My wife was busy. She couldn't come with to life group. And, um, but I was in. I'm like, I'm not missing life group. So there I am with two babies. And we go off to life group. They got drenched from the car to the house. Um, but it didn't matter. It did not matter. Because we wanted to be a part of this thing. I remember that that night at life group wasn't even a very particularly special night. But God was doing something in me. He was doing something in my heart. I encourage you to get stuck in. Don't let the rain stop you from going to life group. Most people don't move into the fullness of what Christ has for them in community because they have a consumer mentality. They just drive in quickly. It's a little drive-through. I am hungry, so I do need to be fed. But just quickly, I'm just going to quick and out again. And every now and then, I suppose that's doable. But there's just no growth. There's nothing demanded from you. And I'm not sown in the story. So while I'm being vulnerable, I have to admit that during my time as a Christian, I had my struggles. There were times when I just didn't know anymore. 
I'm like, why am I doing this? I was riddled with doubt, with unbelief. And I look back on that time now, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I made the decision to be sown. Because I see now that in many of those moments, if I was not involved, if I was not plugged into community, if I had not put my hand up to lead a life group, potentially those times where I was looking over my shoulder might have become times where I did a complete 180. Those areas of being sown allowed me to stay anchored in Him through the most difficult times of being a Christian. I know some of you are going, you're an elder, you're not allowed to say that you struggled with doubt and unbelief. I'm a human being. But I hung on. And God is extremely faithful. I want to encourage you today, if you're standing here, if you're sitting here, I spoke to a gentleman early, earlier, it was an incredible conversation, where he just said, I'm struggling with doubt and unbelief. I don't, I don't know. I just said, just let it go. I'm committed to it. I just said to God, I'm letting it go. I knew in my heart of hearts that that past was way worse than where I was now. And I knew in my heart of hearts that he had done a transformation in me. And that even though I was battling with doubts and unbelief, he would take me through. He would get me through this thing. I encourage you today, he will get you through. You know, you get three kinds of friends. You get foyer friends, you get lounge friends, and then you get kitchen friends. See, foyer friends are really not invested at all. Because they're going to just get to the entrance, they're going to say hello, might give you a handshake, but then they're going to turn around and leave. Lounge friends, they're going to get into your lounge, and they're going to drink your tea and coffee, and they're going to eat your cake, and they may share a friendly anecdote. But when things get difficult and awkward, they will make an excuse and leave. Kids are tired. Got to go. Kitchen friends. See, they're the ones that stay. They're the ones that get into your kitchen and clean your mess even if they didn't make it. I'm encouraging you today to get stuck in and find yourself some kitchen friends because we all need them. And maybe you'll even become a kitchen friend. <laughs> I'm so grateful that God brought along so many incredible kitchen friends over the last 10 years. So my second action step for you today is try serving. Sign up to serve. Remember in the early days, we didn't have serving teams. I don't know how we got stuff done. I know, but they weren't very good. We, we somehow got through things. I remember, this is now 10 years ago, so most of us, you know, we didn't have things like smartphones, and most people weren't very proficient on a computer. So if anyone could work their way around a laptop, you were in the media team. So I put my hand up and was in the media team. We didn't have the great uh, software and things that we're working with today, and it often went horribly wrong. And then you get the glare from the congregation. They all turn around and look at you. You guys are doing a great job back then. <laughs> Got stuck into that. Remember, I had been saved for a few weeks, and Wally said, 
I think you should come lead the prayer meeting. It was like the biggest shock of my life. Yeah? I mean, I just recently thought that prayer was for fruitcakes. Seriously. Now I'm one of them, and you're asking me to lead the thing. I said yes. I don't think it went particularly well, but I said yes. And I grew, and I learned. I encourage you today, sign up and serve. Get stuck in. Find yourself some kitchen friends. My last point today, and then we're done, is that third ingredient that we need is devoted to be grown. Um, I've been saved for about four odd years, and, and um, we then got the, the call. <laughs> Molly asked us if we would consider coming on to eldership. And uh, on the one hand, it's amazing. On the other hand, it's incredibly scary. And a whole lot of stuff you need to process and figure out, and God needs to take you on another journey all on its own. But we said yes. And just as we said yes, God put Lou and I through probably the most difficult test that we've ever had to go through in the life of the church. Because there were some people that didn't feel like we should be on eldership. And uh, began to attack us, uh, attack our integrity, and the aim was to cut us down. And they were friends. And it was very, very difficult to understand that and to work through that. But we had to. And we did. And God was incredibly faithful. And I'm so grateful to, to guys like Mark who preached the other week around confrontation. They arrived here shortly after that and uh, helped us on the journey of reconciling and forgiveness with those friends. Which is incredible for them and for us. And I want to encourage you today, maybe you've got relational challenges. I know it's hard. I know. But on the other side of reconciling that stuff is glory. I promise you. After just being saved, I, um, I thought everyone was amazing. And when you first, you just think, wow, everyone's amazing. You haven't got to know people yet. Uh, it's just a joke. <laughs> They haven't got to know you. And uh, there was one particular leader in the church that I just thought he just had major beef with me. Because I'd say hello and he'd just ignore me. And it didn't happen once or twice. It happened a few times. And this thing started to eat me. I, I started losing sleep. I started dreaming about it. And you know, if you dream about something, it's an issue. <laughs> I still dream that I didn't study for my exams. It's like, how many years ago was that? And I went and spoke to a friend, and I said to him, I've got this challenge. And he said to me, well, you know what you need to do? No, I don't. So well, the Bible says you need to go talk to him. And I thought to myself, you must be crazy. Because up until that point, I'd only dealt with these things in two ways. I was either the snake, where I'd just bite back and cut you down so that you would never say or do anything to me again, or I'd run. So to now have to confront a person, a le person in leadership in the church and ask them, what is it? What have I done? Is there a problem? What is it? was very hard. But I, I mustered up the courage and I went and did it. And I need to tell you, it was the most amazing 
meeting I've had in my life. Because in that moment, about 30 seconds into talking to him, he began to say sorry. He began to repent. He began to tell me that actually he's the one with the challenge. That actually he has a tendency to walk around with blinkers and not see people. And actually there's probably more than just me. And he needs to potentially change his ways. And it was, it was an incredible meeting. And it was that moment of like, wow, God. Actually, there was glory on the other side of growth. There was glory on the other side. And you know what? Not all your meetings will go that way. There have been other times where I've met with guys and asked them and they told me, yeah, well, I just I do not like you. Okay. That's okay. It's okay. I'm going to ask Lee to come up. We're going to close shortly. Lee is still here. Okay. (laughs) Isn't it Lee? Yeah, no. (laughs) But the reality is, people have left church for less than that stuff. I just want to encourage you today. It's just not worth it. Now, as I stood here earlier, and I, I watch, he's left now, so I can talk about him. I watched Josh drumming. And I remember him as a 10-year-old learning to practice on one of those little drum pads, not being particularly great. And here we are 10 years later, and, he, and he's an incredible drummer. And there's others of you here today that I've had the privilege of walking 10 years with. It is so worth it. I know, had I left because of offense, and trust me, I got offended. It wouldn't be the same. It would not be the same. I would be the worse off for it. I want to challenge you, encourage you today, work through those things. There's an incredible scripture. 2 Corinthians 3 says this. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I believe that from glory to glory means from growth point to growth point. On this side of the growth point is pain and some hard decisions and some challenges. On the other side, is glory.